0: No! Your ass better
1: call somebody! Research and development! Putting
0: in the man hours to study the science of what you need. Last week we put liquid paper on a bee.
1: And it died.
0: What? Did we just become best friends? Yep!
1: Can I tell you something without you getting angry? I love you. Yeah, you big guy. Uh Welcome back in, everybody, to another edition of the 4D Chess Dynasty podcast. We're so glad to have you back. And as always, thank you for tuning in. But please rate and review on the podcast and definitely. Make sure that you're checking out the newsletter. There is so much good content coming from all the folks at Destination Devi. The link will be in the podcast description. But without further ado, let me kick it over and find out how my main man is doing tonight. Adam, we have another show. We actually have real football to talk about. How are you doing this week for this podcast?
0: I'm doing phenomenal. Mike, this is the first podcast we're doing a 4D chess after football's been played for fantasy. I'm excited, man. It was it was a lot of fun watching week one football. A lot of crazy games. A lot of player values, I think, are uncertain for people. I'd love to talk about, you know, kind of where everything's at.
1: It It is kind of weird to think about that, right? We are... In September, nine months into doing the 4D Chess Dynasty podcast, and this is the first one we've ever had real football games. <laughs> we've ever had something real and actionable to talk about, something tangible other than preseason hype and all the things that go with that. As we found out uh week one, most of it was bullshit. <laughs> Let's just be honest. We're
0: we're finally past narrative season, right? It's it's real football, man
1: narrative season is in the tank it is over with now we're on to real actionable stuff and that's what we hope to bring to you is actionable advice so adam help let's talk about where we're what we're doing what our philosophy is after week one with a lot of our teams from the contender side from the rebuild side for those best ball teams for the lineup teams what are some of the moves that you're making right now? Like some of the things that you think have become almost habitual, like waivers ran today, the first real waivers run, and, and there's all kinds of bids all over the place. Sure. Who are some of the guys on your contending teams that you're picking up? And then, and then tell the fine folks whether or not it was a difference in best ball or if in a lineup league, if you, you push the button, put in the bid for them.
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, Mike, we're in so many of these best ball leagues, right? And in best ball, it was interesting on my contending teams how, like right now, I've resorted them actually in sleeper Mike, where yeah. I have now my contending teams are closer to the top, my rebuilding's on the bottom. Just so like I'll go through my contending teams and I'm sitting there saying, all right, this is the move; these are the moves I want to make on those rosters. Where it's not the same on the rebuild side. So like you know, there was a bunch of gross names in best ball that I'm going after. Uh, you know, Richie James, DeAndre Carter, yeah. I mean, but th- the reality is, I mean C- Carter only played like 30-something percent of snaps, but if Richie James, like Mike, if this guy's going to play 80-something percent of snaps, even on a bad football team in best ball, I'm gonna, I want to roster him like, we'll see if that actually sticks, but Mike, I, I let go of some of my Hunter Long shares on contenders there was a lot of things that were, were interesting, you know um, on the rebuild side I'm not going to say I'm I'm sitting pat, but I'm not looking to add any of those pieces that are adding a bunch of points to my roster. Um, so I, on the waiver wire, like I think that would be the big differentiator on how I did my two different uh, builds between what my direction is.
1: One thing for me that'll stand out contender or rebuild best ball lineup didn't matter that I put in bids everywhere for, and I'm sure you saw quite a few leagues pop up going, what are you doing? But I'm such an asshole when it comes to quarterbacks, Adam. I'm an absolute asshole. We play nothing but super flex leagues. And there's Mr. people Cooper out Rush. There. <laughs> there are people out there hurting now with the Dak Prescott news. They are absolutely hurting. Some people think that they're gonna be fine and ride it out. Well, best of luck to you. I'm here to tell you I'm not letting that slide. Like I, I overbid for Cooper Rush everywhere. And not even because I want to use him. Right? On my contending best ball teams, cool. It's just another quarterback. Maybe he gets a 20-point week and slides into my lineup. More than likely not, though. I've built my quarterback rooms better than that. Um, but he's at least worth having. But I kind of made the decision when I'm going through it. like I'm not letting people have him for pennies and have the ability to fill their super flex spot without coming to me and having to pay the iron tax. So yeah. that applied a lot to the rebuilders, where generally I don't want those points on my roster at but if I can get a second round pick out of it or if I can move one of my other quarterbacks that I've you know, been trying to leverage for a while now because there's one more guy off of the market, worth it in the end for me. So Cooper Rush stood out to me where it was like, yep, I'm going to go ahead and bid and I'm going to bid where I think I'm going to get him, and I don't care if I pay too much. It, it's kind of like the uh, when we did the uh, Bomb Squad 1 with Ray and Brandon and uh, Gene. Um, I think uh, Ben Mason, a, a big listeners in that league, Jag, you know, some of the guys that we know and, and play in a lot of leagues with, when we did it last year, if you remember, I overbid. I might've been the only person to bid on Davis Mills. Now I'm not saying Cooper Rush is going to be Davis Mills. Let's not get it twisted. Of course not. But I saw, I saw at the time, like how valuable, especially in best ball leagues, having just that option that could make your lineup at quarterback, even if it's somebody we think is gross, is to the team. So that played into it, but even on my rebuilders, like I said, like I, I pushed in on Cooper Rush <laughs> pretty much everywhere. I yeah. don't care if he ends up being a zero or not. Like If I can get one or two deals done and it forces somebody's hand, it's a win for me in the end.
0: You know, Mike, that's interesting because I, I bid on Cooper Rush a lot of places too. I had a team, Mike, where it's a contender, but... It's one of these where the market is so insane on quarterback. And, and we know how valuable they are in Superflex. But I, I haven't been able to buy a third quarterback anywhere near reasonable. Like it's just, I, I sold off a lot of quarterbacks at extreme value, but now the needle hasn't moved. So I have two quarterbacks, Dak's one of them, right? So I, I bid a shit ton of money. I got Cooper Rush for, for 60% of my budget. Now, what's like I want to talk about this for the Dynasty Degenerates. Mike, if you're in a situation where you had Dak and you were relying on him as a contender, right, whether you got Cooper Rush or not, like what are you doing? What are the actionable moves that we should be doing on contending teams if you have that? Because Dak Dak happened week one. We know for a fact there's going to be other ones. We don't want it to be the case, but other quarterbacks are going to get hurt, miss time. You have to have a plan. Zach Wilson was out before week one started, right? Like it's going to continue to happen. In a scenario where you don't have the right depth at quarterback and you're contending, what do you do?
1: It, it is so tough. I do have one of these situations where I had Herbert and Dak, and I have Deshaun Watson, and I've been holding Deshaun Watson forever, so he's just chilling on my IR spot because we can put suspended players in the IR. And I drafted Kenny Pickett, but as we know, Kenny Pickett's not starting, so he's not doing anything for me. At one point, I th- I think I might still have on the roster Sam Darnold, also in the IR like I thought maybe I could squeak by until Kenny Pickett was ready with Sam Darnold after the uh the Watson suspension and now I'm left just sitting there looking at just Mr. old Justin Herbert so Cooper Rush was a must add for me on that team just to get something and this is this is the problem that I have at least when I play this is a lineup league Adam and this team is stacked like you've seen this team before this team is loaded top to bottom I think I finished second last year just had some bad luck in the championship, and I and lost to a better team. The right team won. So this year came back, reloaded, made a couple moves, and the, and the team is really good. It's, it, it's loaded top to bottom, but the lineups are so deep that I'm looking, if I don't start somebody in the super flex spot, like people always think if you can put a name in the super flex spot, oh, I'm fine. Well, one of your flex is going to be shit. <laughs> like this, I don't have... 13 starters outside of a a quarterback where I think they could get 20 points. Like I have guys that I know are going to get double digits, but they're probably capped at around like 14, 15 points on on a good week, which is fine. Like they're great startable assets, but the quarterback position in most leagues, the way the scoring's set up, like even turds go off for 20, 30 points on a regular. Do you remember last year, like Josh Johnson was the QB one One week, It might have been the championship week in week 17, if I'm not mistaken, where, like, how the fuck is Josh Johnson the QB1? So just having that ability to have that QB, to have that 30-point game is so huge. So when I look to this roster and I'm going, like, well, it is pretty deep. Maybe I'll just put Miles Sanders. You know, he'd be the next guy up. Or maybe I'll put uh, DJ Chark or something in my Superflex or TJ Hawkinson. Like, I'll I'll play matchups and – Maybe I can sneak by until Dak gets back or Kenny Pickett gets named starter, or you know, Baker Mayfield ends up sucking and they're like, Oh, we're going to try Sam Darnold again. You know, maybe I can get by for a few weeks, but the regular season in reality is so damn short. I can't afford it. Like I don't want any extra losses that I don't need. So when I'm looking at a guy like Cooper rush for superflex, it's like, fuck it, man, I got to go in or I got to go pay somebody to get something. Now, Some of the options, you know, like trying to sell Dak, right? And trying to see if there's a rebuilder out there where I could go, hey, let me hop off of Dak Prescott. Let me, uh, you know, let me get a shittier quarterback. (laughs) Let me just try to get by and bubble gum this and duct tape this thing together. But I didn't want to have to be forced into a position where I needed to overpay. Like, I don't want to be that guy who's getting bent over the barrel and being like, you got to pay the iron price. I want to be like, I want to be the guy being like, no, <laughs> this is the price you got to pay. So, Cooper Rush was an option, but I do think people should go out and explore it and at least figure out what the market is because there are quarterbacks out there that are devalued, that can get you by, that are going to give you good weeks. They're not going to be spectacular. You're not going to just go out and replace Dak Prescott without having to pay up to do it. But guys like Carson Wentz, Matt Ryan. Jared Goff, uh, Zach Wilson has just been getting dunked on lately. He's obviously not playing this week. I, uh, they're going to start Joe Flacco again. But in, in next week, maybe he's back. There are values at quarterback position where you can go out and try to acquire them. The only problem is, like, if you play in leagues with me, I probably already have those shitters on my team. So I'm not giving you a discount anyway. <laughs> like I'm, I'm hip to it. So, Adam, for you, what are you going to do? On your teams like that, because I know for the second year in a row, both of us, we, we went in on Dak, especially on contenders, and he's burnt us multiple years in a row. How are you going to try to recover from this year? And did you pick up any tips, ideas, tricks from last year that you wanted to apply or, or do differently?
0: Yeah, so I think this one, Mike, is one of those where I think the the league si- the league settings are very important, right? So if it's lineup, like, uh, for example, this one team where I have Dak and I only had two quarterbacks that are of consequence, like I had to bid up for Cooper Rush. Like Cooper Rush is in my super flex spot right now until another move gets made. In best ball, I think, Mike, what you're going to continue to do is just patch together trades for guys in that range, and you just want to kind of get three, four. But in in, in lineup, Mike, when you got to press the button, I'm not saying you can't start a, you know, Geno Smith or a Cooper Rush, but in lineup start nine, start ten, start eleven, even twelve. Like you're looking at probably a very serious disadvantage in that spot now. So for for me, I think the general idea is to try to find quarterbacks that are in the range of maybe that eighth round and pushing up, like Jameis Winston, Ryan Tannehill, those type of guys, and see if I can get something done reasonably there because. You're not going to trade up into this range of, I mean, m- maybe you can get Rodgers cheap off of a bad week. I don't know. But, like, y- you're going to have to try to get creative and getting a guy that's probably suppressing value that you still believe in. So, like, I think highest, Mike, you're probably going to maybe look at an Aaron Rodgers or a Mac Jones, right? I- I'll tell you this. Yeah. You're-, you're not going to feel great about what you saw out of Mac. And this year is looking sketchy there, but. I know there's a lot of panic Mac Jones buyers or owners out there, so you might be able to buy him. I think Mike, like Ryan Tannehill, Matt Ryan, that range you said, is probably the most realistic option for you where you don't have to just get pay something outrageous, right? And, And that's the problem is I think, you know, we don't talk about sometimes or a lot of people don't talk about enough the league dynamics, like how your league market really is. Mike, I mean, people don't like me in this league because they know how much value I have, and they see that I have a an issue at that quarterback two spot. They're not going to let me get a quarterback. You think they're going to let me get a quarterback reasonably? You and I wouldn't do it. So hell no, they're not going to do it. You know, I mean, this is why, Mike. And I, we have a ton of teams now, right? I'm over 20 leagues. Like that was that. It's funny because that's like the one or two examples that I have two maybe two lineups where I'm contending where I didn't have Superflex up sure enough Dak on both like this is why we talk about and preach all the time how important it is to have depth at that position because it's the hardest one to buy one outright without sending one also like if you're going to buy one outright straight up with no quarterback going back in the deal probably the hardest position to acquire so that that's why it's it's so important to have depth early um you got to get you got to kind of go in your bag and get creative man it's really the only thing I can say
1: I, I want to point out something too. I always, I always find this funny too. There's a, you know, we just, we talked about the opening of the show, right? Narrative season's over, but one of the narratives that always seems to get pushed, at least for the last couple of years is like, you need to get these picks now. They're never going to be cheaper than they are right now. Nobody's going to trade you, you know, a first round pick for this player, this turd quarterback. This is why I don't like turd quarterbacks because you never get the value back out. Adam, all it took was one fucking week, one week with a star quarterback going down and not lost for the season, right out, you know, maybe a maximum of six to eight weeks. Maybe he comes back sooner. They're not even putting him on IR, but still like people are looking at, well, he, bucked you in week one and didn't and didn't do anything. He's gonna miss week two. He's gonna miss week three. He's probably missing week four. Maybe if I'm lucky, I get him back by week five. So I'm looking at four weeks of of taking L's and taking being in in a precarious situation. There's a lot of people, Adam, out there like I I do kind of draw a hard line, but not everybody's like that. Like I have seen deals go down for shitty quarterbacks. And these 23 firsts, the greatest class in history, if you, if you believe all the narratives about it. And this isn't me trying to dunk on it. It's a good class, and I do like some of the things I'm seeing. But we always get over our skis in narrative season when real football's not being played and real decisions aren't on the line. Real wins and losses, people's money is actually at stake now. Crazy shit happens. So anytime you hear this, like, you'll never get this pick for this guy. Wait. Wait. Because there are plenty of situations, just like this one, where that can flip in a heartbeat, where that can be like, somebody's looking at the fact, like, I built this as a contender, I'm old, this is my last year, I have to go for it. I got, I got a couple of 23 picks, they're gone. <laughs> like, I need to go fill pieces right now. I don't care how good the class is, what the savvy dynasty move is, I need to win money this year. And people will push those picks in and not even think twice. Like, you'll see, you know, I've seen Jared Goff go for a 23 first. Albeit somebody thinks it's going to be late. But people freak out and go, holy hell, I can't believe you paid that. Well, if I'm in that guy's position, like, I don't want to pay it. But if this is the only thing I can get done, and I know this is the last year for this team before it really goes downhill, sometimes you just bite the bullet, man. Sometimes you just bite the bullet. Welcome to the squad, Jared Goff. You enjoy that twenty three pick next year. Like I fully get that mindset. It's just interesting that it gets pushed so much about like you'll never see this. You'll never get this value for the player. And it's like, Man, I've seen too many wild things where that changes in a heartbeat, right? In the off season it's one story. As soon as real games start, the script gets flipped.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's uh it's the old line, Mike. Everybody has a plan until they get punched in the mouth. You know, like 23 picks, yeah, they're absolutely valuable. But, Mike, as soon as week one happens, and especially it seems like those first six weeks of the season when there's a lot of people that really move to the contending mindset and their team is not – nothing has happened enough for the majority of teams for them to believe that they're out of it yet, right? So all of a sudden, like, do 23 picks have value? Sure, absolutely they still do. But when you see someone that has a good team and they're sitting on 23 picks – they're looking to move them. They're looking to go ahead and get better. And if a situation like this happens, where you have an injury at a key position to a key player, man, they're 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 not willing to just lose the season because of one injury. They're looking to win. Like that. That's the one thing I think. No matter what the class is, you you have to understand that when the football season comes around, people want to win by and large. And like th- this is one of the reasons why I, I push the rebuild when it's. The right time to do it. Now, I'm not telling you to rebuild over and over. Like, you need to eventually win the league. The whole point of rebuilding is to eventually win. But sometimes there's so much value on the rebuild side because the majority of people want to win and they want to win now. So um, I, th- I think that's key there. I, I kind of want to get into Mike as well, not just the injury of Dak Prescott, right? We, we know there was injuries to him and other players. Th- there are some performances, and, and it's funny because it's one week, but. One week for people can change so much in the way they view things. A- and overreaction season, Mike, although it's no longer narrative season, overreaction season is in full-fledged.
1: I want to uh, bring something up since you just brought up an excellent point about this, and then we'll we'll get this damn thing back on the rails at some point. But you were talking about overreaction season. To me, and it, maybe it's just because we're in the here and now. But, I mean, you're in multiple leagues and a lot of leagues that we're not in together, right? I got you into a shit ton, but you you have your own stuff going on. To me, this has been the craziest year I can remember because I've never seen so many teams pick a direction so damn early. Most people want to sit on their teams for three, four, five weeks and see where they're at before they decide. But I have seen on both ends of the spectrum so many teams just go well i took a l week one or i had a dak prescott injury or or this or that happened this didn't look good and then just punt their entire team like i've seen so many trades go down here in the first right after week one that i can't remember ever seeing so many people who just go well i'm out or conversely teams that had maybe a youth build or teams that were building for 2023 2024 pushing it out weren't fully committed now just gobbling up all these assets like man I look my team looked good in week one I'm going for it this year and I've never seen so many teams do it Adam it's just been wild wild to see the dynasty landscape kind of shift because I've been so used to most people are pretty patient most people want to wait you know three four weeks and to see all these trades go down in over these leagues and I've been a part of a lot of them but even even some, the uh, the Royal Rumble League that we're in, with, with all the Destination Debbie guys and all the patrons, there there were so many trades that have gone down in the last few days where teams that looked like ash cheeks last week, all of a sudden you're like, holy hell, you got a hell of a squad now. You, you've really just pushed your chips right into the middle. You might be something. And then people that I thought were going to be competitive or just kind of hang around or do the youth build, they're like, no, nope, no. Nope. I'm good. I'm going nuclear. <laughs> I'm blowing this whole thing up. Everything must go, and to do it right after week one, I'm not saying it's right or wrong because we've told people for for a long time. If if you're gonna if you're gonna be first to the contending side, or you're gonna be first to the rebuild side. That's where you want to be. You don't want to be the last guy in the door going like hey what do you got for contending pieces well there's nothing left or or where's the draft picks at if you're on the rebuilding side well sorry they're all spoken for good luck good luck in 2025 <laughs> but it has been interesting to see how about you have you seen it from your sides for some of your other leagues that we're not involved in like yeah. more and more people going with this week one i'm in or i'm out like <laughs> Week one was the was the, the dress rehearsal, and either it went well for your team and you like it, or or it went horribly, and we we ain't being part of this show.
0: Yeah, you know it's it's funny, Mike, because see, especially it seems to be where the contenders are built. You know, in the off season, we all assume like remove the Dak Prescott injury for a second and, and injuries in general, just just week one on the field stuff, right? We assume we know everything whether you're incredibly invested, you're like us and you pay attention to every minute of everything or you're somebody that's more of a casual, everybody thinks they know all this stuff about all these players. Like week one, what's funny is like when we look back on the season, some of these performances will be so overblown both in a positive way from someone having a huge week and in a negative way from someone having a down week. But like right now, People go off of that week one and they haven't had football for so long. And when you think about it too, like if you didn't build, like we said, a contender with depth, like let me just give you the names. Dynasty Degenerates, listen to this. Some of the names that had disappointing performances as we kind of go look in the startup map. Najee Harris didn't do well, and there's all the injury concern with him too, right? Kyle Pitts didn't have a good week. I mean, you, you can go through this, Mike. C.D. Lamb not only didn't have a great week, but you're concerned for – Maybe his entire season now. Yes. Mark Andrews had an okay week, but not a Mark Andrews-like week. Brees Hall, you're getting more work from Carter than you were hoping for. You know, Dalvin Cook, not a horrible week, but didn't do Dalvin Cook-like things. I mean, Mike, you go down this list, and there's so many. Travis Etienne, James Robinson's a thing. Not only is he a thing, he got more work than Travis Etienne. Yeah. Right? Jalen Waddle, I mean, he got in the end zone, but you didn't see the work out of him you were hoping for. I mean, I could go down this list. Alvin Kamara was just okay. There, there's so many guys. D- JK doesn't suit up. Akers doesn't hardly play. Aaron Jones is outplayed by A- A.J. Dillon. Like, I go down this list, Mike. People are banking on these guys. And then if you have two or three of them you're banking on, and they give you panic like week once, guess mm-hmm. what? They go full panic. Yeah. Oh, shit, buddy. What do I do? Ah, 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 ah. I, I, they they basically are hack it at the end of the game. They don't know what to do. They don't call timeout. Now it's twenty seconds left, and you're looking like an idiot. I mean, th- this is why on contending teams depth is so important. Because like if you don't have really a good amount of depth, Mike, right? Like let's say you were relying on Cam Akers, and you were relying on Devonte Smith, just those two. What's your backups? Because right now, Devontae Smith did not score, and Cam Akers did not score. They both were active. Yeah. Right? Like, I mean, Mike, yeah. it's 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 a real thing for some of these teams that don't have depth is the panic. And like you said, right or wrong, I don't know, but the needle moves, and it moves really fast after week one.
1: I have a, uh, a team, a contending team, last week that started Matt Stafford, Cam Akers, and Devontae Smith how do you think i did well <laughs> not that great <laughs>
0: mike i have a goon squad that i started basically the same thing matt stafford cam Akers, and alan robinson now <laughs> the season's not over for that team but week one how'd you think that went not good at all it was a start oh, yeah. nine i had three of my three of my start nine was rams that did nothing
1: it's a it's a start 914 team league for me and just to put icing on the cake, my RB two that I started alongside Cam Akers was Najee Harris. <laughs> oh wow, <laughs> R.I.P. to that that that. Yeah, the, that league the, did go so well. <laughs> the,
0: the crazy part was too. If had I not been playing all the Bills week one, like a, a lot of other players on my team did really well. Travis Kelsey had a great game. Saquon Barkley had a great game. But you just you can't overcome three horrible performances in start nine. But yeah, I mean to the point you know, you're going to have a lot of needle movement after one week. And I think Mike, like really what I want to talk about is both on the contending and the rebuild side, a combination of what the players have done, some of the ones that we're keeping our eye on, whether it's right or wrong, as far as we believe, um, whether they're buys or sells, and then ultimately how we're proceeding during this chaotic market in your league, um, you know, with, with the rebuild and the contending side
1: first and foremost for me on my contending best ball teams one of the priorities for me especially this week was to go through and have an honest assessment of my bench and especially the guys on my bench it didn't matter how deep the league was um we we have some smaller best balls uh uh the leagues that ray set up right the bomb squad leagues i think there might only be 22 25 man rosters uh, other ones that we did with our patrons, I mean, they're 35, 37, 40. Uh, yeah. I went through and had an honest assessment of everything that's sitting on the bottom of my bench on my contending rosters. And I'm like, are you a zero or not? <laughs> like, are you going to do something for me or not? And Adam Troutman was a name on a lot of my teams, Hunter long again, A guy that I like, and you and I both like, and we know we need to be patient with him. But sorry, Hunter, like, I'm in win-now mode. I, I need points, and I need the maximum amount of depth, because what you pointed out earlier, it doesn't matter what I thought I knew three weeks ago, and how I thought about this team. Real games are getting played now, and it only takes three, four, five of my best ball pieces to underperform and me not have anything that's able to come in and just spell for a week or or give me a quick spike week or an above average week for me to lose a matchup. And I don't want to take too many of those L's leading up to the playoffs, right? (laughs) I want to be consistent throughout the entire year and be the most dominant team because that'll lend itself to me not having a really bad playoff week. Like my team can... Can overcome Najee Harris being poo poo for a week or getting hurt, or if we can overcome losing Dak Prescott, I feel really good about it heading into the playoffs. Like that is a very clear direction for me. On best ball, if I can't overcome those consistently, I wasn't a real contender to begin with, and I mismanaged how I built that best ball roster. So, one of the things to ensure that I'm managing and building my best ball dynasty rosters on the contending side well is to give an honest assessment of everything that's sitting on your bench. Is this ever going to get in my lineup, ever? Is it going to score anything more than max of three or four points a week? And if the answer is no, they got to go. And they need to go for even some of these turds because we saw in week one, who the fuck thought DeAndre Carter was going to be a thing? Who thought Richie James was going to be a thing? Uh The backup tight end for the Broncos, Beckett. Anthony Beck, who thought he was going to be a thing? OJ Howard scoring two touchdowns.
0: Will Disley and Parkinson both. Get Will their- Disley Seattle's rolling out three tight ends.
1: Correct. There were all kinds of players scattered out there on waivers, which were much more valuable, even if I chase and they never do it again, but to keep cycling these guys in or out and trying to find the next one Versus just writing out a guy like Hunter Long or possibly Adam Troutman who just may never do anything for you all year. So that's where I'm at from a roster standpoint on my contending best ball teams. On my rebuilding best ball teams, Adam, it's actually kind of the opposite. And it's it's more reinvigorating where it's like, I don't care if you're a zero. You're actually helping me out. Welcome aboard. <laughs> I hope to go out and find more zeros and and maybe guys I'm looking for the guys who will make the splash plays, right? I'm not looking for the, the Deandre carters because it really doesn't matter what that kind of player type does. Adam, they're probably never going to be worth shit in a trade. (laughs) And that's, those are the guys I'm looking like, I'm looking for if somebody dropped Matt Corral, probably never does anything, right, Adam? He, he probably ne- it's a bad bet. But there is that that slight chance at some point he starts a game for the Carolina Panthers next year. Th- there is that, that new chance that happens, and maybe then I'm able to cash out on a little bit of value. I-, I can pick him up now. He scores me zero points. He helps my tank job. He's the perfect kind of player that I want on the bench of content uh rebuilding best ball but even lineup leagues adam those are the kind of guys i want to fill my lineup rebuilds just rebuilds in general give me the guys who potentially could be worth something in a trade not the deandre carters of the world but the deandre carters of the world in best ball on my contending teams are highly valuable and those are the guys i was clearing out once you talk about from the lineup standpoint on the contending side the type of player that you were chasing, the type of thing that you're trying to get to help bolster your contending sides, Adam.
0: Yeah, so I think, Mike, you kind of hit it on the head with the, the best ball thing, right? You're looking at, like, when I was, when I did the same thing I had with my best ball teams, I was like, I'm going to see, if I have more than three or four zeros or, like, guys that aren't playing 20%, 30% or more snaps. Yeah. Like, this is not the correct contending build. Like, I just didn't build the the, the bench correctly. So, I'm, I'm cutting guys, like you said, Hunter Long, Adam Troutman. Man, I cut LaVisca Chenault on one of my teams, Mike. Like,
1: it hurts, doesn't it? It hurts so bad.
0: <laughs> I mean, it's funny because I couldn't. I remember last year there was times where I could not buy him for it first. And now I'm like, God, did I dodge a bullet by that guy saying no? Like, holy hell Thank did you. I dodge a bullet, right? Um, Mike, you know. Like, Greg, Greg Dortch was another name for best ball. In oh, lineup... Yeah. I um, can't
1: believe I forgot about the legend, Greg, Greg Dortch. Greg Dortch, yeah. My bad, Greg. I'm sorry.
0: It, that one's interesting because of the snap percentage. Like, if he keeps playing 80%, like... Yeah. Best ball, hell. I, all my teams, I'll take them. Um, When it comes to lineup, Mike, there wasn't a lot this week that I was super intrigued and chasing. I, I did chase Cooper Rush everywhere just because, like you said, like... I don't want to see – like I have a, I have a lot of times in lineups, like I told you the one time I have two, of course I have a deck injury. But a lot of times I'll have like four quarterbacks in lineup, right? Yeah, because yeah, yeah, one, I want yeah. the depth, and two, there's always a, sh- a shortage. And if you have a surplus, you can trade one for the big value gain. But to your point, like if you added even like a Joe Flacco or a Cooper Rush, like some dummy might think I'm I'm set now right? So now your market of trading away a quarterback's gone. So he he would be the one in lineup that I really chased um, this week specifically. There wasn't a lot that I was like overly excited about in lineup chasing, but ultimately there I'm looking more for running backs that have a real shot at getting the workload. Uh, Like like Jeff Wilson's not going to be available in dynasty leagues, right? But that type of an idea where if the injury happens and now all of a sudden this guy gets a workload. You know, like, uh, what's the other guy over there? Not TDP, but... Uh, Jordan Mason? Jordan Mason, thank you. Yeah, like a like guy, guy like him, right? Like that, that. That's what you're looking, or I'm looking to add in a lineup league more so, where, listen, Greg Dorch in best ball is a great little piece, but in lineup, Mike, if I'm ever pressing the button on Greg Dorch, I don't even care if it's start 12. My team's not a contender. For sure. So that's, sure. that's how different the, uh, the the settings are there in lineup and best ball. So I think that's the thing. Now, now, Mike, as far as trade values, right? Like I've thought about it. There's there's quite a few scenarios of differing values now. And like whether right or wrong, Like I, let's talk about some of the players that took big value hits, value gains. Is it right? Like what are you doing with all these these type of players? So like let's start from the top. Najee, with, Har- Najee Harris, yeah. like, what do you think with there? And go ahead, what were you going to say?
1: Oh, I was going to start off with, uh, with C.D. Lamb since I just did a trade for him just not more than an hour or two ago. Um,
0: well, let's start with C.D. Lamb and then we'll go to Najee, go ahead.
1: Perfect, alright, so C.D. Lamb he, we talked about it in our AMA on Tuesday night, C.D. Lamb's name came up and I can acknowledge there, there, there's going to be a value drop from where he was he was at probably Dynasty Wide Receiver 3 for quite a few people uh, not just us, but quite a few people. Uh, part of that's the ascension back of, welcome back, A.J. Brown. But but the uh, let's be real. C.D. didn't look good Monday night on a lot of targets, and now you have a Dak Prescott injury. Is this another season where C.D. Lamb doesn't do anything, and we really haven't seen it from him yet? Like, it's all just been like, we know it's in there. We're just waiting for it to come out, and we're never going to see it. Like, is it... Is he kind of on this uh, DJ Moore career path? Albeit from a different perspective. DJ Moore has always been played by just shitty quarterbacks. Ceedee Lamb might always be plagued by the fact that Dak Prescott gets injuries at the worst times. (laughs) It just loses him entire productive seasons. And he's got to play with Andy Dalton and Cooper Rush and uh, Ben DiNucci and uh, who the fuck else has been back there when Dak's been hurt. But... He he has taken a value hit now. I don't know how far reasonably he is because he's still talented as hell. He's still young as hell. When Dak's back, it's still a good offense that you want to own the number one receiver for. I kind of I kind of just estimated Adam. I thought somewhere in like that seven to ten range for a dynasty wide receiver would be a fair spot to rank CeeDee Lamb where. You acknowledge the potential, but you also acknowledge all the negatives too. It it He, he kind of slots in next to all the old guys that, that we dunk on because they're old. The Cooper Cup, the Stefan Diggs, the Devontae Adams. Maybe in that like Debo Samuel range too, like somewhere in there where Debo has his own concerns, but it's to do with injury and, and San Francisco kind of in their offense and how they use him. But seeding Lamb, I... I I still think he's a top 10 dynasty wide receiver. Like I love DJ Moore. I love Deontay Johnson. I love Terry McLaurin. I can't make a reasonable case to put those guys over. him. So I got presented with a trade offer today where I would acquire Ceedee lamb on a rebuilder uh, or a productive struggle, however you want to call it. And in return, I'm sending away Drake London and Tyler Conklin. As like a throwin', I have no idea why the fuck Tyler Conklin was on my team, but that's besides that's the point. I kind of must have lost track of that one. But Tyler Conklin and Drake London. Now Dri- Drizzy had a great week one, like a uh, uh, great showing from him right out the gate. But I'm not ready to to like elevate him to crazy territory. The same way I'm not ready to panic and and lose my mind over C.D. Lamb. So. To me, the trade just made too much sense. like I had to look at it so many times to be like am i am I making a fucking mistake here <laughs> like is there something something I don't know like and what I should have done is should have sent it to you and been like, What do you think, but I'm not gonna disrespect you because we're in the same league and and going for the same things together in that <laughs> league like we're both productive, struggling our asses off, so <laughs> didn't want you to sneak in in the last minute and buy c d lamb from me but that's where I'm at with him, where if you can make a move like that, like I'm cool with it, but on the con- converse side, if you have c d lamb and you're a little bit concerned about it, we talked about it on the a m a instead of instead of selling c d at a at a panic cost. now I don't know if Drake London and Tyler Conkin like constitutes a panic cost like I thought it was a good deal for me to acquire Lamb in that deal where I thought it was I was getting a little bit more of the value. I'm saying for the contender side. I'm gonna go explore those guys that we were just talking about—the DJ Moore, the Terry McLaurins, the Deontay Johnson types—and just see if I can get something added on that's worthwhile. Uh, a second, um, a second-round value type player—not uh, a—not a Tyler Conklin, but maybe I can get a tight end that's a little bit better, maybe a Cole Komet or something like that to help bolster my lineup a little bit. What say you? Where are you at on on guys like CD Lamb? Well, since we're starting with him. So, well, let me start here,
0: because you, you you started with the conversation, and I think you were like, you know, I don't know if th- he's in that DJ Moore conversation, if that's a good comparison, kind of, because, you know, CD yeah. Lamb-, Lamb has this sexy feel to him, and I think now, with Hindsight 2020, we have this DJ Moore doesn't have that sexy feel to him, but I think it's a good conversation. I think this needs to be had, so let's have it on 4D. Dynasty Degenerates, think about this with me now, okay? Because here's what we forget is that DJ Moore once was the sexy CD Lamb type name. He really was. Yes, he was. 100%. And when you think about it, Mike, right? So DJ Moore, it's funny. like uh, If you were drafting aggressively the rookies back in the day when he was 2018 a rookie, you were disappointed early. He only played like special teams for the first several weeks. He started finally. Um, he started the last 10 games of the year. But Mike, like him starting ten games for CD, starting almost the whole season, they're not that different even as a rookie. Uh, Nine thirty-five for CD Lamb, seven eighty-eight for DJ Moore and only ten starts. You go to you go to the second year, right? C- DJ Moore had eleven hundred seventy-five yards. CD Lamb only had eleven hundred and two. That's what Dak Prescott. The next year, DJ Moore almost has twelve hundred yards, eleven ninety-three. Last year he has eleven fifty-seven. Mike, CD Lamb unless Dak Prescott's able to miraculously come back from this hand injury early and also play really well. Like look what Russell Wilson was last year, right? Like when he came back off that hand injury, he wasn't the same guy. Like we, yeah. we all know it's the case. Like for CD Lamb to even replicate that 1102, it, it's it's it'd be good for him. And that's going to put him behind the pace, the career arc of DJ Moore. And I think the difference probably realistically was going to be that we think CeeDee Lamb can score a bunch of touchdowns. Like, I don't know that that's going to happen this year either. So going into year four, my only hesitation with CeeDee Lamb is the name and the sexiness probably doesn't go away. He's a cowboy. Dak will be back. You're going to think this offense is going to be great next year. So, like, does the market overcorrect at this point? I don't know. But I think it's realistic to say we're talking about a receiver going into his year four that is still – this projection like that's that's a hard thing to do when you're gonna have now Mike I'm not saying Drake London I would have I would still take CD Lamb over Drake London but you're gonna have rookies this year that have good seasons you had those rookies last year that had good seasons you're gonna have the 23 rookie wide receiving class come in right and CD Lamb now is gonna be going into his year four with hypothetical projection so I see both sides of it. Like, I'm I'm take, I'm making that deal that you just made. Like, I would rather have CeeDee Lamb than Drake London. But, like, I I, don't know what the hell to do with CeeDee Lamb. Because here's the thing, right? The only way I want to acquire him probably is on a rebuild. Like, on a contender? Like, what? Do, why? It's probably not the right move. So, like, if I can acquire him on a rebuild because he's... Somebody's worried about his current produ- production, fine. But outside of that, like, I'm not going to pay anywhere near the old CD Lamb market prices on any direction build.
1: Do you think there's something just to the name value? Like, like if you're a savvy dynasty manager right now, like acquiring him, if if people are, are willing to panic. Now I'm sure most people are going to be reasonable because of CD lamb and they see the name first and they're like, I'm not selling low, but if you can find somebody who's going to give you a discount, would you be savvy enough to acquire him now and just hold him until Dak comes back and that perception goes back? Well, it's just business as usual, boys and girls. We're back to normal. Here we go. CeeDee Lamb, Dak Prescott. It's everything that we thought it was going to be. Let's go. And that's the moment you're going, all right, time to go. <laughs> Perfect.
0: I, I would say, yeah, I mean, yes. The the, the play probably is to take CeeDee Lamb, knowing you're going to hold him, Unless there's a Dak Prescott coming back and looks really good and he's on a boom week and you can maybe move him, but so so, so yeah, that's probably the savvy play. I just Mike, I think it's sometimes we're overplaying the hype, the the, the talent, and underplaying the reality. Like Mike last week, right? This offense, even if Dak's healthy, was scary. Only offense to not score a touchdown. In week one, uh. offensive touchdown. Mike, he's on the field the whole time with Dak Prescott. He didn't hurt that hand until the very end of the game. Yeah. Two catches, twenty nine yards
1: on eleven targets.
0: Right. Like, I'm not saying <laughs> like CD Lamb's dog shit or anything, but I just think like CD Lamb has always been this. We know the talents there, and we think this offense is super upside. So it's always been like it's gonna fire. My question is to you: like it, it's highly unlikely to fire this season. So if it doesn't fire this season, what are the narrative changes going into next year that, that that that's I think the ultimate question that's hard to answer
1: one of the things that I thought was very hard to to grasp about that Monday night game now there are way don't don't take this for i am mean, by no way shape or form an analytics guy I am no way shape or form the proprietor of reception perception and no route wins and route trees and I I take what other real smart people do and I try to apply it to myself. But one of the things I was reading about was how shocking it was at least for me to see how much C D Lamb struggled to get any kind of separation. It it they they were feeding the ball and he couldn't separate for shit. That it's C D lamb is it's not like this is one of these giant contested catch guys it's not like this is uh drake london but drake separates in different ways it's not like this is uh mike evans um one of these big bodied receivers who we know who just goes out there and clashes he could not separate for shit and according to player profiler his his uh target separation versus man was good for 70th in the league last week 70th
0: yeah and i think mike what's crazy is um yikes we're kind of forgetting too with him, like we assume it's CeeDee Lamb, he's gonna step into that literal number one role and no one else around him and he's just good enough to to do it. I'm not saying he can't, but like this is the first year he's got Amari Cooper away, right? To like True. He took attention True. away, right? Now it's CeeDee Lamb focused and that offensive line's bad. I just the talent's great. I, I I'm not out on C D Lamb by any means. I just I really truly wonder and at the end of this season, if his numbers are not really good, like are are we – I'm just asking this question, Mike. Are we certain that the Dynasty community is going to give him another pass or does he get some more of that DJ Moore conversation? That's my question that I don't know that I have the answer to or that anyone does.
1: So unless he comes back and, and balls the hell out in, with Dak Prescott when he comes back. Unless he comes up back and and does what everybody was expecting him to. I don't know how much of a pass. Because Dynasty managers are getting much more savvy. There's more content out there. There's more people giving analysis. There's more people giving advice. People are paying way more attention. Coming up with their own cool strategies, cool tools. The whole thing. The whole Dynasty landscape is blowing up. And people are are a lot more finicky now. So I don't know how much of a built-in excuse he's going to have to be honest. He's gonna be more in that DJ Moore range where you're gonna get more split. I think you're gonna have the people who are like, DJ Moore has always been that dude. You know, I need I need to take him in the third round no matter what. Like the the draft day with Kevin Costner, right? No matter what. That's gonna be that's gonna be about half of them. And the other half are gonna be like, I ain't paying for that. I ain't look look at all these options I have. No, like you mentioned Drake London, the perfect one because he's part of this deal. Drake London comes out and has a thousand yards, you know, 80 catches, seven, eight, nine touchdowns. You don't think there's gonna be people who are gonna draft Drake London before CeeDee Lamb next year in startups? I can guarantee you that's gonna happen for about half the community. They're gonna be real close in ADP where people are going, I just never seen it from CD. I'm gonna take the guy who's twenty two, probably with a new quarterback. I saw him do it last year with the shitty quarterback, and ta-da! <laughs> like, this is where I'm going to go.
0: Yeah, and I think Mike, the you know, especially because it's a position that's just insanely loaded with players. Like you don't have to invest in Ceedee Lamb. You don't have to take him early. You can get replacement level players all over the place at wide receiver. Mike, I just, I it's funny you brought up DJ Moore because you just look, man, and the the stat lines that he had for his. Mike, after 2020, he had another almost 1,200-yard season, four touchdowns on 118 targets. And people are like, nah, man, he's he's toast. Like, he's never going to be anything for you. Like, he's just a wide receiver, too, period. Not saying CeeDee Lamb goes to that extreme. I just – I'm telling you, man, at the end of the year, I wouldn't be surprised if he's not this big, sexy CeeDee Lamb that we've all thought of him all offseason.
1: Damn, that's some hard-hitting CeeDee Lamb analysis <laughs> right there, man. It yep. makes me wonder. I'm almost regretting doing that trade. I ain't, gonna, I ain't gonna lie. I'm gonna have to be good. But everybody that's in that league probably listens to our shit. It's gonna know that I'm gonna try to sell CD Lamb in a minute. Dak Prescott's back, and nobody's gonna buy. So, yay me. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it, it's
0: it, it's not a crazy <laughs> it's not a crazy trade or bet. I mean, regardless of what receiver you prefer, you're talking about Tyler Conklin difference, and it's not best ball. You said so. Like, what do we? You know, um, it's it's fine um
1: yay me Najee Harrison let's yeah, get on l-
0: there. L- let's talk about Najee and a few other guys before we get out of here just values what you saw worried buying selling holding what are we doing Najee Harris
1: is he even missing time do we know officially we don't as know officially
0: of right as a, as far as I'm aware we don't know officially um what I've read and what I've heard is that like there's a good chance he misses no time
1: Jesus I this is what makes it so tough it I I was reading the reports initially, where it was like, "This is a Liz Frank. If he has to have surgery on it, he's done for the year." This is a Travis Etienne injury. Cam Newton. Yep. Cam Newton. uh, Derek Henry. Uh, I think his might have been Jones. Yeah, he had Jones fracture. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Let me not. It's all good. Fuck that. My bad. Um, a year when the discussion was him missing the entire year. There were some valid points brought up in Destination Devi's Heisman chat. So patreon.com forward slash all gas. Make sure you check that out. It's where you get some crazy ass analysis. But like, what are we going to do with Najee Harris if he's out for the whole year and he comes back next year and he's 25? Uh, An inefficient offense, bad offensive line. I think that last part there, bad offensive line, inefficient offense, that is something that can change so drastically from year to year that that part wouldn't have worried me. But the fact that he would have had a lost season and he was already at an advanced age for a running back position anyways, just because of when he came into the NFL being 25 for his dynasty value would have absolutely fucking tanked it. Like he was a first round startup pick for most people. Adam, if he would have lost or he does end up missing this entire year. And this is a lost year. Like we're looking at a guy that's probably going in the third Fourth round, I don't think he gets that kind of Travis Etienne bump that we saw, where it was Travis Etienne misses a whole year, but then gets drafted higher the following year after not playing and being injured, which was the weirdest thing I've ever seen. But Najee, I don't think would would have done that at age twenty five, right? I don't think that was in the cards. I think he was more of the J.K. Dobbins, Cam Akers level of of panic where people would have been like, nine nah, touching him to like the fourth to the fifth round. I'm good.
0: Yeah, I, I I'm with you there. If you would have missed the whole season, you're looking at something totally different. I, I think right now, Mike, regardless of if he misses this week or not, or misses even a couple weeks, like let's let let's operate under the assumption for right now that he's gonna play this year. And it's he's gonna miss minimal time. I think here is my worry. Not saying that you should move him, but thinking about this is it's not an efficient offense really it's not a good offensive line and even if he's playing like is this seems like it'll be a lingering issue for him right so if he's not a hundred percent not as completely as explosive as he's been in the past and because of that he's also not operating on this 90 plus crazy percent of snaps i'm not saying i'm moving him but like i don't know that rb1 is for sure a lock anymore this year so that's fair like, what do we, like, I I think the problem is I, I don't, I really don't want to sell him because it's, it's such no. a talented kid, but is there a realistic pivot point, Mike, where you're going to say on a contender, like this is a guy that was lower valued going into the off season. But right now, like I'll just pivot out on this because there's not the big risk.
1: Where where I'm at on it, um, I think uh, Ben, one of our patrons, one of the patrons of Destination Devi, who we have a lot of good discussion with, shout out Ben, uh, who I made that trade with too, the to Drake London Seeding Lamb trade. We've made some deals, but he was asking me immediately after like where I was at on Najee Harris, partly because he wants to try to buy cheap from me or or sell high to me, vice versa. Ben Ben's always looking for an angle, he doesn't stop, he he always hustles.
0: Absolutely, <laughs> but, man. Ben hustle it out, man.
1: The honest opinion, what I gave him then, and I think I'm still at now when we're talking about this, Adam, is if I have Najee Harris, I I probably have him on a contender or I had him on a team that I'm planning on being ready for next year.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And I wasn't worried about his age or anything because I'm thinking, like, even if I have him on the team this year, nobody wants to pay for him. That's fine. He's still a younger running back, you know, next year. Maybe the only... Or the last good year I get out of Najee Harris, age-wise before the, the age curve hits, or you know, whatever analytically people wanna say. I'm looking at it and I'm going, on those teams I have Najee Harris. If somebody gives me ninety-95% of pre-week week one price, I'm good cashing out. Like I'll just cash them out. <laughs> I'll just uh... so for me, Adam, I wanna say like, if you wanted Najee Harris before, before week one started, you are going to have to almost reach three firsts for me, running right, back, the right. way I value running back. Yep. Just three random firsts in value. Whether that's players or actual picks, didn't matter. If you gave me three firsts for Najee Harris, I'm having a good, hard discussion about exactly where my team is. But I would say more than not, I'm probably just – I would have taken those picks. Now I'm at the point where if I can get 90, 95%, I would be ready to cash out. So that for me, anyways, what I told Ben is I'm probably at like two firsts and a second, like a good second to not, I don't want your 2023 two twelve. <laughs> I don't want that shit. Like I want a good second, whether that means I got to go out to 24 to get it or whatever. At that point, I think I'd be ready to cash out. The really shitty part is though, that's where I'm at on selling. That ain't where I'm at on buying. Like, I'm not giving you two first for Najee Harris. Like I can't assume that even though it's you could probably get a nice discount. You could probably get a nice discount. I just don't want to. I don't I don't want to put my eggs in the basket that's you know a wheelbarrow that, that the front tire's flat and it's probably gonna tip over at some point. But if I hold it real steady and pray real hard, I can keep it straight, but I don't I don't want that hassle. I don't want I don't want to go through all that effort just to lose it all in case I mess up. So Yeah, that's where I'm at with Najee. What about you? Like does does that make sense to you where it's for just sure just like 90 95 I'm good?
0: I think that's what, where though I like I don't know
1: if it's really a buy because I don't think you're getting the discount that you should get.
0: Agreed. So so for me it's more like I have Najee on a contender. What am I doing? Um so, 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 like, let me go down the list, and I'll just ask you, and I'll tell you where I'm at too. Uh, Najee Harris, or if you could pivot to Joe Mixon, what do you do?
1: On a contender, yeah, I'm taking Joe Mixon. Agreed. I'll, I'll just Agreed. take that straight up.
0: Agreed. Saquon Barkley.
1: I'll, for fucking sure, I'm taking Saquon.
0: Okay. Um, Dalvin Cook.
1: Mm, oh man, this is the one where it kicks you right in the teeth because Dalvin Cook is. These are where the scar. Th-
0: this is where the conversation starts getting real. Like, what do you do?
1: Personally, I'm going to keep Najee. Okay. I'm i could, g-
0: I could honestly make the case either way. I think that you're pit- – like, to me, I'm worried about injuries with Cook, but I don't know that he has them now where I think maybe Najee has it. So, like, I think you catch me at the right time, I might take Dalvin Cook over him currently on a contender. Dynasty value, I still want Najee Harris, regular value. Um, okay, well, one more here. Uh, let's talk about uh, Alvin Kamara. Mm.
1: Give me out of tomorrow.
0: Agreed. Yep. So so I think those are the pivots. And and the running back position is just so shallow that after that, I'm just going to hold them. So it brings me to a couple other ones before we get out of here, Mike. We're, we're going to go a little over an hour, but let, let's do just a couple more value ones here. Yeah. Travis Etienne, man. Like I was talking about this all off season, And I was a guy coming out of college for him, like coming into his rookie draft. I like Travis Etienne, but yes. to me, with the coming off of the injury, assuming that James Robinson was completely dead, I didn't think he'd be back by week one, but a dead period, like he wasn't going to come back and play at some point this year. And he was getting, to, I mean, Mike, Mikey's RB12. Like, wow. I, I just thought that it was getting to the point where I felt it was too rich, because it's all assumptions and we haven't seen it on the NFL football field. Mike, week one. A new regime decides now. Like, it's not the old regime that had James Robinson and said, you know what, we're gonna still have him be our, our featured guy and yeah. ETN be the one B. This a new new regime comes over. This guy's coming off an Achilles and James Robinson, and he's the guy that looks better and is getting more work in week one. Like concern level, where are we at with ETN? Buy or sell, hold, what are we doing?
1: I will buy ETN if people value him properly, and by value him properly would have been where he should have been going in startups the entire time. Uh, You and I can both agree, and we've talked about it before. He got to a point where it was like we're ETN guys, but not at this price. We ain't ETN. I'm good. Like you can, I'll let somebody else have him. He's not a must-have for me. He needs to get down into that that range where think about pre-week one, what we saw from Cam Akers and where he was going. Early part of the fifth round, late part of the fourth round. So you're looking at, you know, maybe a first and a couple seconds. Yeah. Is what you got to send to acquire him. If that's the price tag, I will buy Travis Etienne. Like I still believe enough in him. I can give him a pass for week one, new offense, the whole thing, getting, you know, first real NFL action. The whole fucking thing, like I can make enough excuses for him at that price where I'm like I'm still gonna buy in anything more than that no, not a damn chance, not a damn chance, but it'll be interesting to see with week one the way it happened, everything that you mentioned Adam, if you can even get him cheaper than that if you can yeah if people are still balls deep on the oh, you know 23 or or absolute gold well if you want my one ten one eleven one twelve for travis e t n straight up let's let's do it let's, I'm I'm good I,
0: I think that's what's funny is that's where I'm at like if I'm a contender I still have my 23 first I'm a strong elite contender with depth I think that's where I'd be willing to pay on Travis Etienne I, honestly I like, like I'm not going to pay more than that um and, and and if someone wants to hold for more than that I get it they're probably correct to want to hold for more than that but I'm just I'm not going to pay, pay that so I guess for me Mike, if I own him, he's a hold and I am a mild buy if it's a late first only. Like, I guess that's the best way I could describe it. I personally, James Robinson, I think part of his value jump was James Robinson being gone. And the funny thing is James Robinson didn't, was never gone. Like week one, he's not gone. So I'll buy it for late first. That's about it for him. Um, Let's talk about a few more here. So Trey Lance, Brandon Ayuk, the entire San Francisco team. Um, Elijah Mitchell goes down; he's going to miss two months. The may, maybe one of the worst weather games of the entire year in Week One, which, where it's normally sunny and people are you have to test their conditioning Week One because it's so damn hot out there. Like, what are we doing with this entire team after Week One? Buy, hold, sell.
1: Uh, for the entire team, I'm just holding on. I want to see Week Two. I want to see non-shitty. This goes for Bears, too. Uh, I just put them all in the same category. The Elijah Mitchell thing is probably the only thing I can give you, like, real analysis on other than, you know, the rest of them I wanted to see. I'm not taking a victory lap or anything. I always thought Elijah Mitchell, I liked him. I liked him because last year I got him for nothing. Fourth-round picks, fifth-round picks. Picked him up off a of free agency with fab dollars. You know, people cut him. After the NFL draft, you know, a couple months before we even knew the the trace he'd beat out Trey Sermon, and he was nothing. When I started looking at the numbers last year, Adam, and I brought it up a few times, and I got some pushback from various people about it. But the run blocking efficiency when he was playing was really good for him. His yards created wasn't really good at all. It was actually very bad. And then you factor in all the injury concerns. Not only with him, it's not so much the player, but we just look at that San Francisco backfield, and you're like, they just they they go through running backs like crazy. There was a reason that I think it still holds true that they haven't had the same leading rusher in back to back years for under Shanahan for God knows how long. Like back to what Alfred Morris days when he was in Washington would be the first time that you could have like. When he's been in San Francisco, I'm pretty sure it's been a different dude every single year.
0: Yeah, I think the only one that maybe maybe fits the bill is Devontae Freeman, but that one, the year after he had the epic year, he was hurt again. So like, yeah, it, it's been a featured theme constantly because that that re, that whole scheme, Mike. It's essentially you're running to a spot, and when you see the opening, it's one cut go, full head of steam, and The the nature of that is very violent for these running backs, right? And to your point, there's not a lot of yards created with a guy like Elijah Mitchell. A lot of times it looks like he's actually seeking contact out. I think what's unfortunate too was he was dealing with a knee injury. Rumors were he was wearing a pretty decent sized brace on that knee. And then you think about what he's being asked to do. Put your foot in the ground and cut when the ground, it's grass, it's wet, like – it's unfortunate for him man, but to your point, like we've talked about how yeah, if Elijah Mitchell gets all the work and is a feature back in the Shanahan offense, that's extremely enticing, but it's a it's a system that churns him out and ultimately if he's down, like someone else will step in. We've seen anybody have RB1 weeks in that offense, so uh Mitchell, I mean, I don't even know if he's a buy even at with the injury, Mike.
1: Not a chance. Not a chance, man. What what the hell would you pay for him that you feel good about? A third?
0: I I was going to say, I don't even know if I would want to send a late second.
1: No, I'm good, man. I think think I can buy something else. I was just going to say,
0: like, I would rather package that somewhere else. I think, I don't think you're buying him for a third. So you're, you're like, he's just not a buy. Um, I I think I would try to buy a if I could, to your point. Like we, we still haven't seen it. Um, but if someone's panicked on him, I'm buying him. Um, any other ones, Mike, you want to talk about? The, I, I want to say this, too, with the injuries. We saw Chris Godwin go down with the hamstring. And, like, I, I'm not victory lapping here, but this was my concern all along, was if he comes back too soon, one, he just maybe doesn't play that, that effectively, and two, he gets re-injured. He has, they're talking about him missing more time. I feel like this is going to be an injury-plagued and not, highly productive season I think right now Mike if you haven't listened to us before what I'm saying to you Dynasty Degenerates is this if there's still name value with Chris Godwin I I think you gotta move him like if you're on a contender that is now if you're rebuilding and someone's panicked and you want to buy Chris Godwin all aboard that train but if you're contending and you need production I think I'm moving the name of Chris Godwin I I just I, I really believe that strongly man
1: I mean, if you don't, need, you're on any kind of team where you don't need Chris Godwin for this year, like you can just write him off as a zero. Not saying he's going to be a zero, but you can literally just pencil in, hey, I, he does nothing, I don't care. I'll buy Chris Godwin. Yes, like if the price is right, for sure I'll buy Chris Godwin. But man, on the contender, I I hope I hope I, th- this is what. We made the video for this. Is what I made the TikTok for. Like what, Chris Godwin? Man, you hit the nail on the head. This isn't a victory lap, but this this is what I was concerned about. Not only possibility of re-injury or, or having having something pop up in season because of the whole ACL MCL thing, but just the risk that you're going to take if you with the prices that he was going for making that investment in Chris Godwin when the reality was, whether it was a re-injury or whether it was slow return to full production, we kind of just knew that you could write him off for at least the first six weeks, seven weeks, maybe eight weeks. And in a regular season for fantasy football, that's actually so short. It wasn't an investment that I was willing to make. Now, it's so weird to see that, you know, all the reports were positive and holy hell, he's active week one. And then he actually looked decent enough out there in the game. And then boom, hamstring gone. And and now we're back to square one again, where it's almost like you, if you're a Chris Godwin truther, you almost wish it would have gone the Michael Gallup route where it was just like, nah, he ain't playing week one. <laughs> Ain't playing week two, ain't playing week three. We'll see in week five and then we'll figure it out from there. And now it sucks for Michael Gallup too because when he does come back, it probably won't be with Dak Prescott, it's going to be with Cooper Rush. So, right, you know, week five's a wash, week six a wash, week seven's a wash. You know, it might be the week 10 before you get anything out of Michael Gallup. So,
0: yeah, man, I think you it, know, it sucks to see
1: it, it does suck to see from in fantasy football, no matter. No matter if we're high or low on a guy, whatever the case may be, like we be low and fading a guy, we still want as many fantasy players out there playing well. Not only is it fun to watch, but it's also fun for your 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 dynasty, your fantasy football team. So shitty situation all the way around. But yeah, Chris Godwin's an interesting one for me, Adam. If you can still get out from him, do it. If you can buy him on a rebuild or a productive struggle at at value, go for it
0: all right i am hundred percent with you buy if you're rebuilding not contending uh if you're contending and need the production can't afford to have him miss a bunch of time i think you gotta try to move the name value man um l- last two mike and we're gonna get to this these two here it's funny these players here so we think we know so much right and we're saying with one like there's a new guy in town a j brown yeah, he he's not the alpha anymore. But like, don't be overly concerned. Bad, as bad of a showing as it could be for one Devontae Smith, and then drafted in that very same range, one that everyone is assuming, like they draft Jamison Williams, they bring over DJ Chark. Hawkinson's healthy. Swift is healthy. Like he his end of the year absolute barrage was based on his target volume. Week one. <laughs> Zero catches on four targets for Devontae Smith. Week one, 12 targets, eight catches, 64 yards, and a touchdown for Amon Ross St. Brown. Uh, buying, selling, believing. Amon Ross St. Brown continuing this all year. And then also same with Devontae Smith. Are you worried? or w- w- What's your st- What's your status with both of these guys before we get out of here last two?
1: Devontae Smith, I have some, some pause. Let's just say some pause because it's one week. A.J. Brown's a new toy in town. I'm an Eagles fan. The whole reports were the chemistry that they had together between A.J. Brown and Jalen Hurts was – it was like they played together forever. I, I want to see another week and kind of see the target distribution of maybe some of that luster, some of that shine wears off. You brought up a great point. Now teams know. Like they have real film with A.J. Brown in the Eagles uniform you have to believe the defenses are going to game plan more to rolling coverage towards AJ Brown. So are we going to get to see some of the things that, you know, during a conjecture season <laughs> that we were a part of, are we going to get to see some of those things with Devante Smith on crappier cornerbacks one-on-one? I want to see what it looks like in week two. So I do still have some pause though, but my 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 spidey senses are tingling with Devonte Smith on Amon Ra. I never left. (laughs) I never left. I'm in the same spot I was. I think he's just good at football. Uh, Draft capital be fucking damned. We saw him produce. You can make whatever narrative you wanted to about, oh, he did it without hockey. He did it without Swift. He did it without fucking whoever. I don't care. Amon Ra went out there and earned those targets. And now you see in week one with everybody healthy, with DJ Chark in town, all the people who thought DJ Chark was going to be a bad thing for Amon Ra You can quietly sit down and go back to not saying anything anymore because that is not the case. DJ Chark is a great field stretcher, and it actually opens up more for Amon Ra, and I think the targets speak for itself. I'm not saying he's going to produce at this level all year, but where he was being drafted at was a value. Where he's probably still being valued at now is still a value. He is going to be a good wide receiver to slash wide receiver three just because the position is so deep for you the entire year so if people just want to send them away willy-nilly oh i'll take your your early 23 second by all means you can have it if they want to get crazy and they want to do that i usually don't do it because you know it always kind of just feels like a sucker play but i would actually be willing to be on the other end of you know i'll give you Amon ra and a second you give me your 23 first. If I, if I feel that's going to be late, cool. I'm I'm willing to move back five, six spots and pick up Amon Ross St. Brown for sure.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm with you. I think the other thing is like, um, you know, th- this probably quieted the haters a little bit, but I- I've still seen floating around Twitter discord chats that well, Jamo's not back. Jamel's going to be the alpha when he comes back. Like, If that narrative's still around, I'm not saying that there's not truth to Jamison coming back is going to earn targets. But if that scares you that like Amon Ra can't earn targets with anyone on the field, if that's still a narrative from some owner in your league, Amon Rock for an early second's easy for me. Like, I don't know if I just want to send generically my first, but like you said, Mike, if, if someone wants to do the, here's Amon Ron a second, you give me the upgrade of a first. Yeah. I'll I'll do that too. So I, I think he's a buy. I'm, I'm not panicked on Devontae Smith. I, I think that you're going to have much more volatile season from him this year, but I do think there's going to be weeks where he still pops. He, he's, he's a very good talent. He He's probably more suited for non alpha role. Um, this was a bad, bad, bad week one. Like I, I need to see more of that week consistently for me to really panic. So that's where I'm at on those two guys.
1: The last thing on Amaran, then we'll 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 wrap this up, Adam. It, when you mentioned JMO, I, I had a, I mean, you can't see it because this is podcast form. You can see it because we're on video chat together. But I had a hell of an eye roll when it was Jamison Jameson Williams because I said it a billion times. I love Jamison Williams. But let's be honest about it, people. It's a rookie who hasn't played a lick of NFL football yet. Hasn't practiced, hasn't gone through training camp, and he's coming off a major knee injury. You think the minute he's back, Amon is just dead? No. We just talked about Chris Godwin, and we knew that the first couple weeks were going to be bad. We're going to be sketchy, re-injury chance, slow. That's Chris Godwin, who's an all-world receiver. This is a rookie who hasn't faced a lick of NFL talent yet. Real NFL talent. Like 53-man rosters with dudes who this is their fucking job. He hasn't faced that yet. We don't know, and we see rookie wide receivers bust all the time. Now, I say this by saying I absolutely love Jameis Williams, but let's be fucking honest with ourselves just for a little bit and put the conjecture, the hot take season away. (laughs) It's done. It's over with. It's in the past. It's week one. We're on to week two now. We're Bill Belichick. (laughs) We're on to Cincinnati. Let's go.
0: We're on to Cincinnati. Man, we're on to week two in Cincinnati uh, of football. I hope you've picked your direction. If you haven't, you don't have to pick it yet, but you need to strongly think about your team, whether it's best ball lineup, be realistic, assess your depth, assess your injuries, your non-performers. You got to make a decision in the next few weeks on what you want to do. Otherwise you're going to get stuck in the middle. If you listen to this podcast long enough, you know we don't want to get stuck in the middle. It's not a great place to be. So try to pick your direction If there are some of these guys that we think are buys, go ahead and send out offers, send out feelers. See if you can buy on some of the panic. Don't sell low on some of these guys that had a bad week one. And it just, we don't know for sure that that's gonna be week in and week out for them. And just remember, when your league mates are playing chess, play 40 chess.
1: That's gonna do it. We're gonna bounce out of here. And Antonio Gibson, I never left. Peace. Peace.